This is the Physical Activity Researcher Podcast, a podcast for researchers of sedentary behavior, physical activity, and sports. Join for a relaxed dialogue about research design, practicalities, and, well, anything related to research. Learn from your fellow researchers useful and relevant information that does not fit into formal content and limited space of scientific publications. And here is your host, researcher and entrepreneur, Ollie Tikkanen. Before we start today's episode, we would like to ask for your help. Dr. Scott McNamara at the University of Northern Iowa is conducting a study to examine what motivates podcast creators and podcast listeners within the field of physical education. They also seek to understand how a community of learners is cultivated using this medium. They are looking for participants, and since you are listening to our podcast today, you are a potential participant. To participate in the study, you need to be creating physical education podcast or be a listener. This study involves completing an online survey, which will take about five minutes. After completion of the survey, you will be asked to provide your email so that they can ask you to participate in a 45 minutes long interview. So if you're interested, please use the link in the episode description to complete the survey. This would help in developing new knowledge and the value and benefits of podcasts for individuals and communities. Thanks for your time. Welcome everyone. I'm very excited about the forthcoming episode as we are talking about physical education and I get to discuss with the fellow ScienceComs podcaster. As our guest is the host of podcast called Playing with Research in Health and PE. Our guest has done his bachelor and master's in California State University in kinesiology with emphasis on sports psychology and has done his doctor of education at Columbia University. Currently, he's working as an assistant professor at the George Mason University in Fairfax, Virginia, U.S. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm honored to introduce our guest, Dr. Risto Martin. Welcome, Risto. Thanks, Oli. So if we move to podcasting, and you have had a couple of years at least to podcast, how how and why did you got into podcasting? Um, I wanted to do something that, you know, I, I got into podcasting. I listened to a ton of podcasts, and I wanted to get to a point where, um, so doing something for my students, right? So my students have um, limited time in their days. They have all these other classes. I want them to read research. So if I give them a 28-page research article that's read or that's written to be read by people who have PhDs, they're not going to understand all of it, right? They're not going to understand the you know theory behind it or the methods because they haven't had a theory or a research methods class. But still, the findings are really important. So my goal was to start the podcast and to make 20 to 25 minute episodes and have these 20 to 25 minute episodes where the author explains their paper in that short period of time. So even if my students didn't do any reading on their way to campus, they can put it in their car or their you know headphones when they're taking the you know metro over to uh, to campus 
that they can listen to and understand enough about that research to then have an intelligent conversation going forward. And I kept the episodes to 20 to 25 minutes for probably the first year. And then I realized it was too hard and I just enjoyed talking about the research. So they've, they've gotten longer. Um, maybe I'm too long winded, but um, it was for that. So it was one for my students to bridge that gap. Two, for practitioners who can't afford to read a research article that gets published behind a paywall that costs $40 for somebody to buy. And three, for other scholars. I know when I was at Cal State Fullerton teaching a bunch of classes, doing research, I had a hard time keeping up with, with research. And for me to be able to provide you know, for we do a, a podcast episode every Tuesday launches at 7 a.m. Eastern. So um, for researchers out there, for early career scholars in their downtime, when they're folding laundry or when they're going for a run or driving to and from work, that they can catch up on one more research article every single um, every single month or every single week. They get one more article, you know, that's beneficial to them let alone the early career scholars that we try to get on who are, you know, in their first jobs, they need a, a little bigger platform to be able to um, communicate their work with. I think it's just a, a win, win, win all around. Yeah, I, I fully agree. And I, I think it's podcast is, it's just such time efficient for the listener and also creation that if we would, for example, try to write a blog post or, or an article of these things that we have discussed now, it would take so much more time mm -hmm. and then people would need to read. So it would take away for their time, but when it's in audio format, so I, I think it's a, it's a really good good format and i think researchers should use it more how how has the feedback been from the from the students have, have they been listening it a lot um so when we when we launched the podcasts uh they you know i started putting them into my classes and they they really enjoyed them and i don't know if they enjoy every single one of them i think i think all of them have been awesome but i don't know if that goes through to all of my students, but I know that they have given me feedback that the podcasts are way more fun than having to sit down and read a 28-page research paper. Um, so in the weeks that I don't assign a podcast, I put a, uh, a podcast on, um, on our learning management system. We use Blackboard. I put a podcast that's related to that issue because I know that out of 30 students in my class, maybe three are really, really interested in doing the extra work. And I know that I can kind of cultivate a research understanding with, with those students. So I think it's been well received. Uh, we've had a huge bump this year. Um, I think partially because people are telling people are telling people. Um, and I think that bump is because professors are putting them in their classes. And they're having them do required listening or supplemental stuff. And so now I'm kind of seeking out more scholars that do things that help other scholars. So like I had Tristan Wallhead, who's an expert on this curriculum model called sport education model. I said, hey, 
can you just do these solo explanations of this curriculum that you've been studying for 15 years? And so then I can put those on and they end up having, you know, shorter podcasts throughout. And, you know, we've increased kind of the styles that we do. We do an article club, um, which I don't know if you do on this podcast, but I, I found that really engaging. I have, you know, five scholars who I know personally, um, and we just go off and off with one person picks up article, everybody reads it, no script, no lead up questions, just we get on and, and talk about it. And we post the article on Twitter. So people who want to go in and, you know, read the article, then they can listen to other people's kind of conversation about it. Um, I've loved that format. Um, in addition to breaking down these specific uh, research articles as well. Mm, yeah, that's that's interesting. We we don't do at least yet article club. So, how do you do it in practice? How many you are, and and do you do it live or now probably online? And and is somebody leading the talk, or could you tell about the practicalities? Yeah, and I know that because I tried to find kind of hashtags on Twitter, so I know that other people do this in different fields. Like there's a, you know, archaeology article club and, you know, other things, but basically we send out an article with a couple weeks heads up. We, we schedule a time through doodle to get everybody on the same page. We lock it in. And then I send a, a zoom invite for, for those people. And basically we've expanded it. It used to be three and then we've expanded it to five, maybe six, and you just join if you want to read the article, right? Most, most people like doing this. So most people come in every single week, but, you know, getting six, you know, people who teach in higher education to get the same day off is super tough, right? So, you know, some mm -hmm. people are really busy. They'll skip one. They'll come back on the next one. So we just need about three people minimum to do it. So I expanded it to six so people can kind of fall off and fall in. Um, and then we just get on. And I, I always say that the first question is to the person who uh, picked the article. And I say, why did you pick the article? And the next question is, what's your overall uh, opinions from all other people? And, you know, you take notes and I, I have some leading questions if nobody else has leading questions just as a backup. Sometimes I get to my points. Sometimes I don't. We go about 30 to 50 minutes, depending on, um, on the article. And yeah, it's been, it's been good. It's, I think it caught some people off guard in the beginning when I posted, Oh, I'm doing this article. And people are like, wait, do you want me to be on the podcast or do you need me to do anything? I'm like, Oh no, we're just going to talk about your article publicly, which is, I guess weird, but people have been really, really good about it. It does, um, you know, give their article another kind of bump up. People might read it more, cite it more. So, yeah, I I, I like the idea, and I I think in general podcasting it's it's quite uniform the formats now. That usually it's it's one host who's either talking alone or two hosts who are talking discussing or it's a host and a guest and and they're talking and and it's it's quite quite formal in a way and i i think when 
with somebody, for example, have studied one subject for 30, 40 years, even the discussions they are having in a in a coffee table in the in the university cafeteria are probably interesting for mm-hmm. some people. Yeah. So I I think researchers should be just recording more things like when they have, for example, research groups. It's probably interesting information for quite many people who are in the same same niche or doing same kind of things. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's the that's the thing is getting getting a couple people in the room to and just throwing out a topic can be if if done well can be some of the best podcasts, you know, of, like you said, a person that's been in that field for 20 years, or maybe has had the life experience in five years of that, of a person who's been in the field for 25 years, um, you know, getting them to have a conversation like I, I would listen in. Yeah, I, I agree. For most sedentary behavior and physical activity researchers, Collecting the research data is one of the most frustrating steps of a project, especially as inefficient data collection steals too much of your precious time, causes unnecessary stress and hassle, and can easily derail progress of your project. This is why we devised a revolutionary new way to collect data, introducing Fibian Sense Motion, the beginning of a new era. Fibian SenseMotion is a cutting-edge, next-generation system that allows you to easily and remotely collect, store, and manage data. Our solution features a tiny, waterproof device that captures the sedentary behavior and physical activity data, a mobile app for automatic uploading of the data from the device, and a cloud service for managing the data. Even better, all collected data is GDPR compliant and you have access to automatically analyzed variables of activity types and raw 3-axis accelerometer data. Don't compromise on the quality of your research or the project timeframes. Discover the convenience and power behind our solution at sense.fibian.com. That is sense.fibian.com. Fibian, created by researchers for researchers. And and how do you see now that with the pandemic we have moved to distant teaching and and you have used podcast already in your teaching. How how do you see the modern teaching? For example, is it better to do lectures or is it better to do them podcasts? It's easier to consume and and how how do you see where is the teaching going with these new new formats and new technologies so i think i think podcasts are one avenue i don't think they're the only avenue i don't think every student loves podcasts um it's very hard to take notes on podcasts because we we talk about how convenient it is and so a lot of a lot of students feel like it's super easy to do but then are they really taking all that information in maybe not maybe it's maybe it's very hard for them to pay attention during that so i think that it just and so how i how i have my classes set up is a lot of times they have some sort of blog some sort of podcast and some sort of online lecture and then we either meet in person or we have some sort of discussion board but in a classroom environment 
right? If I'm physically in a classroom in front of my students, I'll have them, I'll say, you have to listen to the podcast before you walk into class. And then that leads into discussion. And then that leads into a more robust discussion about what that, what that podcast highlighted. So I think podcasting to me, and I'm not sure if this is to everybody, but it's a vehicle to get into a better discussion, a more rich discussion. It, it's like underlying. And then we talk about how that you know, relates to those students' lived experiences of what they feel like their goals are in that class or their opinions are in that, in that subject. And so I think that I don't think podcasting is the only way. And, you know, that's, we, we run a doctoral seminar through the podcast through university of Northern Colorado um, in Greensboro and Dr. De- uh, ben Dyson had this idea of like, Hey, what do you think I'm doing this pedagogy podcast and or pedagogy seminar and i'm going to record every single one we're going to have 14 guest lectures over the semester and i'm going to record them can we upload them on your podcast i'm like yeah absolutely and i think they're they're popular you know episodes to listen to but that person who's listening can't interact right they can't interact and talk to specific uh, people and ask clarifying questions. So it's still mm-hmm. not as interactive as a class is. And I think that there are different organizations that do this really well. Um, and that's probably why they charge for them, you know, and have live Q&A where you can actually just like sit on a call and do a live Q and A after you get done talking or somebody posts a question in, in a chat to, to kind of guide that direction forward. And maybe, maybe podcasts will get there that you can do live recording and people can go online and they know when you're recording or you record at the same time every day, you do it live and the chat is open for people to, to chime in. I mean, it would be a more, robust educational experience, but, um, I don't know. I, I love it. I think it's, it's, uh, it's allowed me to read well beyond what I traditionally would have read. Um, Um, every, every person that comes on is really interesting. So I, I I have a great time doing it. So. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. And maybe maybe some of the listeners are now they are working as educators or researchers and they might be thinking of of podcasting. What what would you like to say to them and what kind of tips or encouragement you'd like to give for them? Um I think so the things that I was told in the very beginning which I I think are really great is you got to stay consistent. Right, you got to stay consistent in publishing at a at a regular rate. So it's really easy to put out and gather five episodes and put them out all at once because you're so excited because you just like created this thing. But to hold them out, if you're going to do a podcast once a month, do a podcast once a month. If you're going to do it once a week, do it once a week. And for a long time, like it just will stay stale. Right, it, it's not going to just like rocket at least for me, it's not going to rocket through the roof in your you know, first three episodes, but it's building an audience through that. And look, like 
if you like doing it, then you just keep doing it. There's no reason for you to stop, even though your listenership isn't, isn't, you know, in the thousands or hundreds of thousands, but something that you enjoy doing. And that's why it was easy for me to continue doing this, even though our listenership wasn't like skyrocketing was because I knew that it would help my students because I was going through and we were able to, you know, I was able to have essentially guest lectures without having them scheduled and to, you know, the other goal for us is to really have this like living library that will stay for as long as this podcast app. So as long as Spotify is around, like we're able to, people are able to talk to people or listen to people talk about their work. And so I think it's just going out. I use anchor, um, which I found, and this is not a, a, a paid plug for anchor. Uh, but I found it really easy. You know, I record, I drop my information into Anchor, it uploads it into 11 different uh, podcast sites, I schedule my podcast in advance, like I record, and I set my launch dates. So right now, my last recording that I did yesterday will come out in six weeks. So I try to get ahead of it. I know, you know, we don't talk about uh, everyday things. Like I don't talk about like, oh, yesterday it was this and this or this date. Um, so they are kind of timeless in a way. So they can be listened to two years from now. So it doesn't matter if I launch it tomorrow or if I launch it in six weeks. And I just try to kind of stay ahead of it and continuously, you know, put out an episode every Tuesday at 7 a.m. It drops like clockwork. Um, and I think that that helps, um, listeners kind of get into the rhythm of listening. Mm, yeah, I, I think good points, consistency. And then if you, if you enjoy doing it, it's easy to keep, keep on going and, and building a buffer first that you can actually, you can skip a couple of weeks without recordings and still you keep getting the episodes out. Mm -hmm. And, and I think I would say the same that it's. Of course, there's a learning curve in the beginning how to how to record record proper proper quality audio and so on. But publishing with these these services that you can use, which usually cost like just ten ten dollars a month, it's surprisingly easy. And you just upload it there, and it goes everywhere: Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever. So it's I think it's easier than people usually think. Yeah. Yeah, and it, I mean, setting up my recording, because I used to record through GarageBand, I had an external mic, you know, learning to run that and like basically to get started with free GarageBand and an external mic, it took me a very long time, you know, to figure out the audio settings and all of this. And I was having issues recording, um, you know, through Zoom or Skype and have to figure out the microphones and stuff. So I actually wrote down all these directions on how to do it. Um, but I think that there are programs now that are just like a click and play. And that's Anchor is one that it's just like, just click. You you can even do it on the app. Just hold down the record button and, and go. Um, 
But yeah, I think you're right. I think that there's, it's way easier than people think if you have a little bit of understanding. Um, and if you enjoy doing it, then you don't really care how many people are listening. Mm, yeah, yeah, I agree. I've been now changing places for, for several reasons. So I'm always like the getting the reverb and echo away. Mm-hmm. So I've, I'm now have like a lot of pillows in front of me and behind me, I have blankets and so on. So that's maybe one thing just to just to get the echo away. And then even a, even not so expensive microphone will give decent sound quality. So I think that's that's the one thing that you need to pay pay attention to get the quality sound. Um, I think we could start finishing, but uh, maybe last one. How how do you see the role of podcasting in science communications now and and in the future? Well. I'd be interested to find out more about this. I know a colleague of mine, uh, Scott McNamara, runs uh, an adapted physical education podcast, um, and he's talked. Uh, he's done research on this, and I think it's it's interesting research. Um, it's about you know adapted physical educators' attitude about educational podcasts, and and I think that they're it has such a huge opportunity. Like it has so much like um, possibility. I don't know how it's going. Like, I don't know how to do a research project. Uh, One of my, one of my guests talked about was, you know, having a student read a research paper and then having them listen or other group, having them listen to a podcast and seeing which one actually understood more or engaged more with it. And I don't know how to put that into action, but that's what I would be interested in is to see if does what you and I do, like, is it actually something that they are learning from or is it really nice background sound when you're, you know, are they going to get one thing out of a 40 minute podcast? And maybe that's good, but do they actually for like us, when we do article um, overviews, do they get the main ideas out of that article? I think that would be the interesting to see. And if we can show that there is actually like, and there, there are other, um, I think in like um, social services or public health, there's some um, research out on podcasts that have shown a positive effect on there. But I think a lot of those are attitudes. Do students like it? Yeah, students enjoy podcasts or they're good podcasts and they're good additions, but did they learn? Was it educational for them? Did it actually have the meaning that we wanted it to? And I think that's the next step. Yeah, that's a that's a good question. And when you start podcasting, you see the numbers, how many people listen to episode, but usually in the beginning you get absolutely no feedback. You don't know who listened. You see where what countries people listened, but basically you get really little feedback and and it's kind of a little bit difficult like you you don't know who's listening did they like did they only listen like the first minute and they they quit so it's in the beginning it's it's a little bit challenging then later on you start to get feedback and hear hear a little bit at least from people how how it is yeah absolutely and i think that you're right on it's the beginning parts is Okay, so this many people listen to it from these places, but 
I have no idea who those people are. Is it just some person like, I don't know, in a different country trying to learn English and they stumbled on your podcast and they're listening to it? Or, you know, I, I think it took me two years until other scholars really have said, hey, this is a really good service to the community. Like, thanks for doing that. And I use it in my classes. I'm like, please tell me if you use this in your classes, because that that's really like helpful for me. And, but I don't know, I, I think, I think it's an exciting space to be in. And for me, it's, it's great, because I get to have so many great people on on the podcast that are really intelligent, talk about really interesting content, and are willing to give me an hour of their day to just chat with me. I mean, who, who am I? I'm just like some random guy who lives in Virginia that does research in this area and wants to talk research. So. Yeah, I, I fully agree with you. It's, it's always a pleasure you get to discuss for a, for an hour with really clever, clever people who have a long experience. So I, I would recommend podcast doing podcast even, even for that. So, how do people find find your podcast and which episodes you would recommend people to listen listen first? Um, if you go on twi- uh, Twitter and you look at at the HPE podcast, there's a link there. Um, so health and physical education. So at the HPE podcast, uh, we also have a website um, www.thepewebsite.com, and it links there as well um and you can go into the to the website version if you don't have a podcast app or you want to assign students podcasts um you know i think that there are a bunch of different ones i don't know if i can pick the the best ones there i think it's uh we have a couple of different styles of podcasts one is a theory breakdown which are pretty quick um they're great to uh, kind of get an overview on you know, intersectionality or, um, you know, theory of planned behavior or socioecological theory or things like that, that you, you know, may know a little bit, but you need a refresher. You can just listen to a couple of those. Um, the article clubs are enjoyable to me. It's more conversational. Um, we also put up, um, and these may not be for everybody, but we also put up audio from the uh, Pete Collaborative, which is the teacher education collaborative that has about anywhere between 75 to 150 college professors on a call talking about key issues in teacher education. So we put up the audio for that. And then we also put up the audio for ICEP monthly uh, connection with colleagues conversations. So um, I'd say the, the top listen to episodes are um, Laura Alfrey talking about the Australian curriculum. Um, Ash Casey in our second episode about models-based practice, um, the ISIP conversation somewhere in the nineties about, um, Joe Wicks, uh, which is a really interesting phenomenon in, in the UK that basically this personal trainer, uh, became the face of physical education teaching in, in the UK. Um, so I'd say those are three good ones to kind of understand the different formats. But, um, you know, those are just the top episodes. And again, like you said, I have no idea why those are the top episodes. I know those people are 
active on social media, but I, I don't know. Maybe it's because it's episode two that Ash Casey came on and people go through systematically when they look at it. So. Yeah. So, so especially if you're working on PE, go, go and check the, the podcast and please leave some comments, whether it's negative feedback, positive, whatever, how, how you use the podcast, what did you like? What would you wish to have there? It's it would help us a lot as the podcasters if we get some some more feedback. It can be anything, but it helps us because now we really don't know how people people like it and how they how they use it. So so check out the podcast of Risto and I would like to thank you for taking the t- time for this podcast. It was it was really really nice recording and i think there's a lot of valuable information for our listeners yeah absolutely and and i wouldn't be able to do this this podcast stuff without the people who support me i have an undergraduate assistant and um, a phd student who kind of helped me out in you know getting questions together and setting that stuff up i have a couple colleagues who you know help recruit and do uh do some questions as well so um i thank you so much for having me on and um good luck on your podcast as well thanks for joining us this week on physical activity researcher podcast if you like the show make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing or following the show on twitter this podcast is made possible by listeners like you thank you for your support If you found value in the show, we would really appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts or whichever app you're using. Or if you would, in a real old school way, simply tell a friend about the show. It would be a great help for us. We have a fantastic lineup of guests for forthcoming episodes, so be sure to tune in. Thank you all for your support and have a great day.